Welcome to Parenting in Acadiana podcast, brought to you by Woman's Foundation. Our goal is to provide you with quality information from local experts to support you in your parenting journey. Good morning, Good Dr. Morning. Jackson. Thank you so much for being here with us this morning. We really appreciate you Thank taking you. the time. Thank you. I really enjoy doing this. Thank you so much. Well, tell us a little bit about who you are sure. and uh, your background when it comes to nutrition. Um, it's an interesting background. I started my own nutrition consulting business about three years ago, and I wound up working mostly in corrections. Uh, really? <laughs> yes. Um, wow. So that was the, the, the biggest start. And then I uh, also added on working at WIC uh, for low-income women, their infants and children, and then also work at LARC for people with developmental disabilities. So one of the, and, and of course, kids on the go, working with Women's Foundation and talking to kids about, eat, and their parents about eating healthy. One of the things I say about my uh, full-time work uh, with the Correctional Center uh, at WIC and at LARC, you know, I work at probably some unconventional places where dietitians work. Most of us think in hospitals, nursing homes, and the schools, but not at correctional centers. So. Right. So tell us a little bit about the work that you do there. It's it's interesting. Um, I'm at eight correctional centers, and so the work varies, uh, but the best part of it is doing nutrition consults. Uh, There's a high, as as you would imagine, um, people in correctional centers are sick. Uh, They have illnesses and disease, most common diabetes and high blood pressure. And when you think of just our society, dealing with diabetes, high blood pressure, and, and treatment is pretty much all the same. It's mm-hmm. really changing the eating, incorporating a healthy lifestyle. So um, that work has um, actually pushed me to learn more. I'm actually in the process of taking an exam to be a certified diabetes educator. So wow. I will have that, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, have that credential behind my name and uh, work with adults as well as children. We are really getting a high population of people with diabetes. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. starts with being overweight and obese and of course having a gene for diabetes because everybody who's overweight and obese does not have diabetes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is a strong correlation. And if we can get with the kids younger rather than when they're in their 40s and 50s, it's much easier. Right, exactly. So talk a little bit about what can parents, what can we do? Because we know it starts at home. And we have all learned our eating habits from our environment, from our parents. So what are some healthy foods or some healthy meals that parents can begin preparing for their families so that we can start Mm -hmm. to teach them how to live healthier lives? I'm asked that question all the time. And before I answer people, I always remind them that healthy food has calories too. Mm -hmm. So I start off by saying, just because you're giving your kids fruit, you don't give them an abundance of fruit. Um, An example comes to mind is grapes. Uh, You know, we wash our grapes, put them in a big bowl, and then we sit in front of TV and eat them mindlessly. Oh, it's okay, it's grapes, so it's healthy. Grapes still have calories too. So to start off about being healthy, one of it is the foods you choose it's how you prepare it, but it's also the amount you serve. And it starts with breakfast. It mm-hmm. starts with eating breakfast because if you think about it, most people eat dinner between 6, 6, 30, 7 o'clock, and then you wake up in the morning and go several hours without eating, and now it's lunchtime, you're going to overeat. So it starts with breakfast. It starts with having breakfast, 
And then we'll talk a little bit more about some snacks and things to do. But right there in breakfast, something easy and quick is that old-fashioned way we grew up, cereal and milk. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And it works. It It still works. works. It does work. And it's quick and it's fast because we're living fast lives. Everybody's trying to get in and out. So what are some things that Mm -hmm. they can serve for breakfast, some healthy options? Talk about a couple of things, Um, especially being the summer, kids out of school. um, If there is a little extra time, you know, having cereal. The cereal label is going to tell you uh, a serving size that I do not recommend. I recommend a fourth of a cup of cereal. And, And that sounds small, but we're so used to eating those, just taking the bowl out and just pouring all the cereal in. It, it's all about the portion. So a fourth a cup of cereal, there's a variety of cereals to choose from. I encourage parents to look for cereals high in fiber. Now, when you hear that F word, that fiber word, we think, oh, it's going to taste nasty. You would be surprised. There's a lot of whole grain cereals that still taste good. And you want to look for about three grams of fiber. Um, that would be the lowest recommendation, between three to five grams of cold cereal. Now the hot cereals, you remember oatmeal. Um, having our oatmeal and maybe adding some fruit to it, or if, if you know, again, convenient, and, and that adds the extra fiber, or maybe you get the oatmeal that already has the fiber, I mean, sorry, that has the fruit in it, but obviously the um, having the, the real, the fresh fruit would be better. Other examples, maybe some whole wheat toast, there's a, a yogurt, having some fruit, banana, an apple, these things are quick and easy, high in fiber, a great way to get your morning started. What about the portion sizes? Talk about portion sizes. What is too much? Yeah, so, you know, it, it's it's in our mind. When we look at our bowls and we look at our plates, we want it to be full. And so when it comes to parents, I actually encourage them to eat out of the same cereal bowl they give their kids. And, and you know, usually when I think of kids, I think of the smaller cereal bowls. You want to go with those smaller cereal bowls. In the beginning, you want to start measuring. A fourth of a cup of cereal is a good way to start. If you're getting um, instant oatmeal, it already has it measured for you. One pack instead of two packs. Um, the yogurt, uh, you want to try for the four ounce. Sometimes there's six ounce. Greek has more nutritional value than the regular yogurt. But I, like me, I actually don't like the Greek yogurt. To me, it has a bit of an aftertaste. And, and I always recommend to people, don't eat something you don't like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you don't like yogurt, don't eat it. But you can increase the fiber with yogurt by adding some granola or nuts or different things like that. And what about reading the labels? I know you kind of talked about the portion size, and sometimes we overdo it. So give us a couple of quick things that we need to look for when we are reading labels. A few things. I I see people looking at labels, and they tend to focus on the sugar and the salt. And then I ask them, well, how much sugar should you have? How much salt should you have? And most people don't know. So what I tell them is focus on the calories. Look at how many calories are in a food item. And again, it's, it's going to get a little difficult, but I'm going to come back to the calories for a second because I've been on this kick for fiber. We do not get enough fiber in. And I know the audience is like, what's the big deal with fiber? Fiber makes us full. It keeps us regulated. We should be having bowel movements every day. And this starts with our fiber intake. So fiber in, fiber out, making sure you're having some water. I'd mentioned about three to five grams you want to look for on a label. Now let's go back to some of the other items. The sodium intake. 
the average American should not have more than about 2,300 milligrams of sodium. So when you look at a label and you see something that has maybe 1,000 milligrams, I would say that's pretty high because you've almost reached your total intake with just one item. You tend to have the high sodium in your processed food, your fast foods. We already know this. And then when it comes to the calories, on average, for women, and, and I know we're talking about kids, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's so difficult with kids, but for women, about 1,200 to 1,500 calories per day. So again, it's just adding that up. Now, if you're looking for weight loss, you're going to have to subtract your total calories by 500 a day. And let me say, a lot of this can be accomplished by eliminating sodas and fruit juice. And I know people say, oh my goodness, but it's fruit juice, it's not soda. It's still high in calories. Water, no calories. And if you're one of those who, oh, I hate the way water tastes, which I don't understand because water has no taste, but I, but I get it. Adding some fresh fruits to it, like, you know, we've seen people add lemon and lime and cranberries, different things to flavor the water rather than those flavor packs. And that's a lot healthier. Much healthier. Yes, 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 yes. I understand. (laughs) So when we talk about sugar intake, how much is too much sugar? And is sugar really affecting our families? You know, I, I know with diabetes, that's an increase in sugar. So could you share a little bit about some things that we need to watch out for when it comes to sugar intake? I'm going to talk to you about the sugar intake, and then I'm going to give you some more discussion about diabetes. Because over the past few months, as I've been doing this intensive studying on diabetes, I've learned a lot. You don't necessarily get diabetes from eating too much sugar. But when you think of foods that are high in sugar, they tend to be high in fat and high in calories. And you're more likely to have diabetes if you're overweight or obese. And so if you're having a high consumption of foods that are high in fat, high in calories, you tend to become overweight and obese. So as you do develop diabetes, diabetics can still have sugar. That's been a misconception. Oh, you have to limit how much, yes, you do need to limit how much sugar, but to eliminate the sugar, they can still have jello, cakes and cookies, but it needs to be incorporated into their total intake. So maybe you're going to a birthday party and you want to have a slice of cake. You make some changes earlier in that day between your breakfast and lunch, but it's the total carbs that you have. It's the total carbohydrate intake. Carbohydrates also come from fruit, from vegetables. We tend to focus on the starches, the breads and the pasta and potatoes and rice. Oh, diabetics can't have that. Diabetics can have starches. Carbs are a great source of energy. It's the amount that you have. Mm -hmm. So that's just a section on diabetes. But for the sugar intake, it's about the 1,200. I mean, and it's been a while since I've done this, but I believe it's about 12 teaspoons of sugar per day. And we're getting more than that. And like I'd mentioned, when it comes to sodas, <laughs> and I'm going to stay on the soda kick because as a dietitian, I am not one of those that says, do not eat this food. Eat the foods you like, decrease the amount. So it's still having the honey bun, but having half of the honey bun. The only food that I totally, totally say eliminate is sodas. 
it and it starts early on. It and I remember this. I remember being a kid, just how excited I was when I had soda. It you know it's that that caffeine, that rush, the sugar. It's all of that stuff. And imagine all the years of having it. So I, I recommend to parents the way to eliminate sodas. Stop buying it. If it's not in the house, you can't drink it. So. You're kind of forced to drink water because that's all you have. <laughs> that's right. And my son, he's the worst with it, and he loves Dr. Pepper. So I will allow him to have one or two, mm-hmm. maybe. But after a while, if I let him, he'll drink Dr. Right. Pepper all day right. long. So I'm trying to incorporate more water, mm-hmm. less of the flavored juice. And I see him tapering off. And I think that he's starting to feel better. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. So what does all that soda do to their bodies? It's the sugar. Mm-hmm. It's the sugar. And like anything, it, it is an addiction. There's, it's no surprise. It, it's like cakes and cookies and pies. It's no surprise when we are addicted to those things, just like we're addicted to soda. I'm sorry, to salt. Uh, there's so many things that we can be addicted to, but it tastes good. <laughs> <laughs> It does, and that's the problem. (laughs) That is the problem. It tastes so good. So we're thinking, oh, gosh, I want to have this, and I want to have that. But it's just not healthy for us. And and I appreciate and and respect the fact that you're saying, I give it to him. And that's where it starts. It starts Mm -hmm. with the parents. But we learn our habits from our parents who learned it from their parents. So what I, when I, when I, I love working with young people because it's really trying to break that cycle, break that chain of uh, overweight, obesity. You know, I grew up with the bacon grease sitting on the stovetop, you know, and you add yes, the so bacon grease I. to everything that you cook. Absolutely. I grew up drinking whole milk. I grew up with all of these things because that's the way my parents learned. But then becoming a dietitian, uh, you learn yes, the proper yes. things to eat and, and the portion sizes. But let me say this. You know, I'm studying about diabetes, and I keep coming back to that because I love learning about nutrition, and I love sharing my knowledge about nutrition. We know it's the behavior changes. So as I've been consulting with people, I've tried to cut back on giving them this knowledge. Oh, this is how much you should have, this amount. How do you go about making those changes? When you talked about your son with the sodas, how do we go about making the changes? You know, one simple example, sodas tend to come in 12-ounce cans, giving him a 10-ounce can, putting it over ice. So now he's not getting the whole can of soda. Mixing it with the water. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. So it's giving parents some actual things to do instead of don't drink so much soda. Help me out with that. How do you do it? <laughs> and, and I'm so glad you mentioned that. That's what we need. We yes. need those practical steps. So can you share a couple of things that we as parents can do? Just a couple of practical things that can make some small changes. That's going to make a huge difference. Well, you know, we all grew up with a parent that said, eat everything on your plate because there's hungry people in the world. And so what I've been working with parents on is not to put so much food on the plate. I know we love our kids. I know we think they're mini-me's. I see it all over Facebook, my mini-me. Your mini-me is mini. So let's not give them the same portions you have, and they don't have to eat the food the same way you do. Let me give you a perfect example. 
you know, when kids are eating baby food, there's no seasoning in baby food. There's no salt in baby food. When they start eating from the table, mm-hmm. we're introducing that to them. So when I talk to my parents, especially the ones at WIC, and you start introducing food to them, and, and mashed potatoes, pasta, those are the two big ones, you know. And I tell them, make, your mashed pot- make their mashed potatoes first. No seasoning, no butter, nothing. Serve it to them. Then if you need to add whatever to yours. But they're learning that extra salt, the extra butter, the extra margarine, pe- all those things from us. It starts from us. So this is my example I always give. An egg, a boiled egg or scrambled egg. If you make an egg for your son, why do we put salt on it? He doesn't know the difference. But because you eat your eggs like that. That's <laughs> you right. And it's, it's the environment. That's how we ate it when we were coming That's up. Right. So we have to have the salt on the bald egg. But now I've stopped doing those things. That's and nice. he loves it. He loves he it. He doesn't know any Because he doesn't know he any doesn't. different. That's and right. And he loves that egg. So it's, it's with all of these things. Giving food at its natural, basic way. Um, another example I give is stop peeling all the good stuff on fruits and vegetables. I remember growing up, loved being in my grandmother's house. She had tons of fruit in the house, but apple. For some reason, she loved apple. God, well, it makes sense. She was older. Apple a day keeps doctor away. And so I'm sure that's where she got the concept. Well, she always peeled the apple and gave me a few slices. Well, as I learned more about nutrition, that's where all your nutrients are in the skin. So do not peel the apples. Potatoes, that's where all the nutrition is in the skin. Do not peel the skins off of the potatoes. Cucumbers, that's another example. Do not peel the skins from the cucumbers. So giving it to them in that raw form, again, focusing on the portions. How much are we putting on their plate? How much we're putting on our plate? But remember when I talked about breakfast, you can't decrease your portion size when you're hungry. So if you miss breakfast and it's lunchtime, it's hard to give a smaller amount on your child's plate or your plate when you're hungry. It takes your brain 20 minutes to know you're full. When was the last time you ate a meal that took 20 minutes? I can't remember. I can't remember. So you wonder why after you're done eating in 5, 10 minutes, you want seconds, you want dessert because you're not full. And you're right, your brain is not full. So that's why you go for more. So it's slowing down when we eat. How do we slow down when we eat? Well, as a family, we sit around and talk. We put our fork down while we talk. That helps us slow down while we eat. So those are some of the examples of things. It, but and it's, it, I'm going to keep saying it starts when how we make the food, how much food we're putting on their plate. And let me say this. I get this a lot. You know, so many parents say, oh, my kid's a picky eater. We were all picky eaters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we were all picky eaters. And we grow out of it. You know, I think back to green vegetables. It is no surprise kids do not eat green vegetable. It's the color and it's the smell that turns them off. I did not eat Brussels sprouts, our cabbage, our asparagus, you name it. I did not eat those things growing up. As I got older, I did. So if you're dealing with a kid who's not eating a certain thing, and this is so radical, let them eat 
what they'd like. You deal with behavior problems. I'm not saying let the child run things. If they don't like sweet peas, let's stop putting it on their plate right now and later on introduce it. And and speaking of sweet peas, one of the things uh, when I talk to my parents as they're introducing baby food, don't provide mixed food, meaning don't give them sweet peas and carrots. Don't give them bananas and apples because you don't know which one they like. So keep it separate. So start off with just that separate food, see what they like. And again, you still have to deal with the behavior issues. You, maybe you want to get them to try it and they say they don't like it. Introduce it a couple of months later. But instead of you must eat everything on your plate, I really work with parents to stop that because what you're doing is you're teaching them right then to eat when they're not hungry. And how many times as adults we eat when we're not hungry? And it started then. So it's smaller portions. Kids love pasta. They love pasta. And I'll tell my parents, especially when they're trying to get more vegetables, put some sweet peas in that spaghetti sauce. Put some broccoli in the spaghetti sauce or carrots. A lot of times they don't even notice it. And and they're eating their vegetables. But if they see it, they may not eat it. Dr. Jackson, I wanted to ask you this because I've read some articles and it always says that the foods that we are giving our children, sometimes it affects their learning. Do you think that that is a myth or is there some truth to that? Absolutely. We, we truly are what we eat. That's why I'm constantly pushing water. And what comes to mind, I'm going to go back to the sodas. Sodas, fast food, processed food, all those things. It does change the outward appearance, our hair, our skin, how we feel. The higher fat foods take longer to digest. So no surprise when we eat fast food, extra of the fast food, we're tired. Carbs burn fast. So they do give us that quick, great energy. So you want to limit how much fat you're having protein we know is great for building bones it also keeps us full so having a good mix of your carbs and your uh, protein and limiting how much fat you do take in and the limit really it's your fried foods who doesn't like going to a fast food uh, restaurant which is there's a reason why it's a billion dollar industry so what I've talked to my parents about again I try to be realistic I mean fast food is not going away but instead of getting the double cheeseburger are the three-piece chicken dish with the side going with one chicken, piece of chicken, a single burger or a single cheeseburger, small fries, going back to that original portion instead of the extra large. But if you're hungry, you're it's going, go- there you go. Right. You, got you are it. going to eat it. Right. That's right. right. So Dr. Jackson, just wrapping up our discussion, where can parents find extra resources if they want to learn more about what you've talked about, or maybe a website where they can go and get some healthy food options or some snack ideas? There's a variety of things. I mean, you know, when it comes to the internet, there's tons of things and it's good and bad. Every morning when I wake up and watch the news, there's a new diet that's out there. And I get so many people say to me, I don't know what to do. Great recipes online, focus on portion. Focus on portion. You will overwhelm yourself trying to count calories, how much of this and that. 
three things I want to leave the audience with. Smaller portions, increasing the fiber intake, and increasing your water intake. Just those three things. Get away from all of that other stuff. It's overwhelming. It's exhausting. I recommend to people, go see a registered dietitian. Everybody I talk to is always a nutrition expert, and it drives me crazy. I can't tell you how many times somebody will say, oh, I heard this, 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 this. And I always say, was that a person, a dietitian? No. Then why are we taking our nutrition information advice from family and friends who don't know? So it's getting with your doctor to make that referral to a dietitian. Um, there's tons of us here in town. If, if you just you know look it up, you'll find one of us. And it's more than one session. It's a few sessions that you're, you're not going to change your behavior in just a one-hour session. Thank you so much, Dr. Jackson. Thank you. And Dr. Jackson is with Keystone Nutrition. If you need to give her a call or you need to look her up online, give us your contact information. Sure. I do have a website. It's keystonenutrition.co, not com, just co, keystonenutrition.co. It has an email address, phone number to reach. I can go ahead and give it to the audience. It's 337-356-2244. Email address is keystonenutrition at outlook.com. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks for listening, parents. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast, Parenting in Acadiana Podcast. Um, It's available on SoundCloud iTunes and Stitcher. So follow us on Facebook as well and stay tuned for more.